0: Welcome to the True Spirituality with Ange podcast. I'm here to bring you a version of spirituality that will uplift you, inspire you, and make you feel good. Your belief system does not matter. Everyone is welcome. And along the way, I hope I will help you to build your own spiritual blueprint that will make you feel 100% good about yourself. This is what I have done for myself, thanks to my intuition. So come along for the ride. And let's light up the world. You don't need to be religious or even to believe in God. This is an inclusive and diverse space. Let's do this. So I'm having our third guest on the podcast today. Her name is Emma Mack. Or is it Emma Pleasure now? Let me know. Emma um, call it. it's called me Emma Pleasure. Okay. I do love that name. Um, I, <laughs> we uh, Emma and I have known each other for a while on the, uh, in the in the internet sphere. Sphere. I've done a couple of her courses. I've uh, had her uh, as a guest on the um, True Spirituality Summit that is still live and available for free on my Think platform. And I'm very excited to have her today to talk about, I suppose, sacred unions or sacred relationships in the context of um, Tantra, which is something that you teach Emma, uh, in the context maybe of yoga, I don't know if you touch upon Kundalini Yoga and if that's relevant at all. I have no idea because I've never asked you that question before. Um, and its I feel that it's a, a beautiful continuation of last week's episode when I talked about twin flames and soulmates. So I'm not going to go over that specific aspect, but I think it feeds nicely into what it can look like when it's a healthy um, attitude to a romantic relationship. So Emma, welcome on the show. Thank you so much for waking up at six o'clock in the morning in Australia to be with us today. (laughs) It's quite an effort, (laughs) which is appreciated. And um, I wanted to ask you maybe to start with um, your own journey around spirituality, maybe religion, if you were brought up in a religious background, I can't remember exactly what it was and, and how that fed into your work and discovery of pleasure and and how important actually pleasure is for our spiritual blossoming yeah Mm. great question at the end there thanks
1: Ange it's my privilege to be on chatting with you again I always love our conversations they're really really deep and have you know a a different really unique quality to them because you have such interesting questions and such a great perspective on people. So thank you for drawing that out in each of us as well. Thank you. Okay. So you asked about my journey with spirituality and my religious upbringing. So I was brought up Catholic and interestingly, my nine-year-old found my rosary beads recently and she wanted to know about the rosary rosary beads and then we looked up all the prayers that I couldn't remember and we said the rosary together. And she came out like this is weeks later, three weeks, four weeks later, she just randomly came to the kitchen saying the Hail Mary. Did I get it right, Mum? Yeah, you did. Isn't there more, Mum? And I had to say it in my head and went, Oh yeah, there is second verse. Yeah, 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 here it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. But just her her innocence in the way that she engaged with that, where you know, the the Holy Mary, the, the rosary was this sweet thing that she did without any of the connotation that we might have developed throughout our lives from all the rules that we've been given from the religion that we've grown up with or how that clashed with our own values or other societal values. So I found that really interesting. Um I I I didn't really have an issue early on, (laughs) and probably is true for most of us, with being Catholic, and I quite enjoyed it for a little while. I even went to church every day. In my late teens, early 20s, I had a moment where I thought I might be a nun, and um, it all really fell apart when I was at university and I did a subject on theology, and there were things about religion that I knew were a little bit hypocritical, Uh, there were things that I was already questioning, but it was the connection between religion and war that was the thing that broke my faith. And I remember one of my priests saying to me, your faith just isn't strong enough. I would be really comfortable saying to someone who is ordained, my faith was not strong enough to counter my personal values and what I stand for and how religion has at times been involved in so many horrendous and atrocious acts, clashes of values, and acts of war. And I was not willing to be part of that. And and I, I have I actually have no grief around that, considering that it was something that I felt such a deep sense of belonging in. I really have no grief around that loss. Every now and then, I you know, kind of think about mass and what mass was for me. But mass is a personal practice and a ritual that we do in community for something, you know, kind of greater than ourselves. And in a way, I have that through yoga. And in a way, I have that through my events and over the last, uh, kind of 10 years I've been involved in a couple of spiritual communities and so I have that through those as well and um, my spiritual development came, I'm just debating whether I pause <laughs> in case you want to respond to something, <laughs> Uh, my spiritual development, I was aware of something as a child and as a late teenager. I clearly remember having a book about auras and energy that I'd borrowed from the library. I was reading it on the train on the way to uni, and I remember doing the instructions with my hand to be able to see aura and seeing aura and being like, oh, it all just resonated so much. And then... Three days in, something like that, I remember just being, this is not going to fly with my family, slamming the book closed, putting it back in my bag and putting it back in the library and, like, putting a lid on that part of myself. And it was after my eldest was born, who's now 11 and a half, um, when when he was about four months old, is when my spiritual awakening really happened, and that was you know, like a, a downpour that cannot be stopped. <laughs> and has just developed from then.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I didn't know that about you. So I I love that every time we talk to each other, we go deeper into our understanding of each other and honor our stories. And I can I can actually resonate with what you said about the aura because when i saw my first aura in um 2001 after i moved to london and uh left my family of origin my first husband it was it was an experience that transformed me very very deeply and uh, i hope you don't mind if i mention slight uh, you know very briefly what happened i went to a conference um or, or a talk done in an amphitheater by barbara brennan who wrote a book, you know, Hands of Light, which I completely um, gulped at the time, you know, read through and was fascinated by it. And um, I was sat in the audience where thousands of people in that in that place in London. And and suddenly I saw her starting to shine and and her entire aura filled the room like a sun. Like the whole room was, yeah. was filled with with golden light and it was just magnificent. And I just, I was in awe. I couldn't, there were no words to describe the feeling that I felt in that moment. And I think that sort of sealed for me, um, wanting to know more because it's not an event. And I, I mean, I know you were practicing something to see your aura in your hands. But for me, I had wanted to see auras for a long time and it just happened like that without me. And and the, the few times I've seen auras, it was the same kind of phenomenon. I didn't ask for it to happen. It happened, you know, um, at a moment I didn't expect it at all. But every time it brought me to my knees about the beauty of what I was witnessing, especially it was mm-hmm. the beauty of the soul that I was seeing, energetically which completely yeah. blew my mind
1: yeah absolutely and I love how in this particular example you're in a really potent experience with someone who's holding their energy in a really strong powerful way and is you know for their aura to be that big in that yeah. environment and we can tune into that and it's it's almost like when you do those magic 3 d eye things you know, when you first start, you've got to bring the whole book close to your nose, and then you slowly yes. bring it away, <laughs> yeah. and then you know you, the the focus of your eyes changes. It's always seeing aura is almost like that. It's like this ever so slight change in focus that yeah. allows the aura to be visible, and then you know you can tune into that a little bit more and. Like at first it might be a grey haze and then it might start to expand and then it might go white and then it might get colour depending on how tuned in you are to being able to see that. I just love that, you know, it was just like there for you in an instant, like you were so tuned in to what was happening and also that person was in a state where their aura was just so big and so bright and so visible and powerful. That made that, you know, perhaps so instantaneous
0: too. And I was still a lawyer back then, so I was still looking for a lot of answers. I hadn't done any training in the modalities that I learned after that, but it certainly made a big impression on me as well because I had read the book by this woman, but she was completely aligned with what she was teaching because she showed me her energy. Um, yeah. That was completely congruent with what she was doing. Um, so that that was a very defining moment. And thank you for sort of reminding me of that moment and sharing it on the podcast, because I think I'm hoping it's going to speak to the audience if they've experienced something like that, that they know other people have and that they understand what actually is really happening. Um, maybe open the mind of people who have never experienced that and have that curiosity uh, around energy, because... You know, I'm a Reiki master. I, I, I'm fascinated, and 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 training about learning and understanding energy for me has been a crucial, crucial step on on my journey. So, to to go back to what you do, um, you mentioned briefly mm-hmm. yoga. Um, tell us more.
1: Yeah. So, my if I start with yoga, which is kind of the the start of where I started working for myself. I um, I did an, a degree in anatomy and then I did a degree in psychology and I first thought I wanted to be a doctor <laughs> and I missed out. I tell that story very often. And so I spent a year trying to get away because everybody wanted somebody who had experience and, you know, there's not much experience that you get out of a degree in anatomy, lots of knowledge about the body, but it's not applied knowledge to what a degree. Um, and I, I had a, a double major there. I had philosophy, anatomy and a minor in physiology as well. So I was quite stunned when I couldn't get work. <laughs> I just kept doing my casual job. <laughs> and so I went back and I did uh, psychology and really this is, this is kind of part of where my heart is, and it was like a coming home. There was a deeper understanding of self, and that's probably part of the motivation. And at this point, I really thought that I was going to use that to become a psychologist. And in a way, I have, but it's roundabout. <laughs> so I managed a youth center in um, my city for a while, the youth center in the city, and uh, that you know that was just challenging and amazing, but really opened my eyes to some of the trauma that we have. And then when I fell pregnant, I knew that I didn't want to work in a nine to five type thing. And so that's where yoga came in. I had dreams. I actually had dreams of me having a bob. I don't like myself with a bob, but I had dreams that I had a bob and I was teaching yoga in an outdoor setting. And so I did my yoga teacher training, started teaching when my second child was just a teeny tiny baby. One of my students took a photo of me in dancer's pose. with, And if you don't know what that is, I I recommend to create the visual image looking it up. (laughs) And I had my baby in my arms with her head in my palm and her body along my hand, Um, you know, how they kind of fit on your forearm like that. And so she was balanced and in front of me while I was holding the bind behind me and my student took a photo of me because she thought it was so incredible. But for me, it tells the story of spitting life and work together. And so from there, I started coaching. So using kind of all the knowledge that I would built up through all the extra trainings I'd done when I was working in the youth centre, building the psychology in Um, And I was also doing a lot of spiritual development things there. So I had learnt the aura. I'd learnt to connect with my mediumship. I was part of a mediumship, trans mediumship circle that met every week. um, And I could channel. So I was doing a, a blend of intuition and coaching. And pleasure came into this work in 2016. After my dark night of the soul, where um, I was really freaking unwell (laughs) for six months. Even my husband said our whole family lost six months of our lives um, because I was just so not okay. It was just awful. And when I came out, this book found me called Pussy, A Reclamation, and I ordered it at the same time as one of Gabrielle Bernstein's books. Her book came first, and I remember being devastated that it wasn't Pussy. <laughs> and when Pussy arrived, I devoured that book. With two very small children, I read that book from cover to cover in a week. And every and that's no mean feat. I've had plenty of clients that can't get through it, um, you know, because it's it's challenging, and it's really a book that you've got to be ready for. Um, and when I say clients are reading it, I'm not, it's actually not something that I prescribe at all. It's something that they come to, you know, because they hear me talk about it or something like that. I did run a book club on it a couple of times as well. Um, and that book was a light bulb that pleasure was the missing link in my work. Yes. And that I was here to bring this concept of pleasure to women. And it was also a light bulb that. Um, I felt shame over enjoying sex with my husband who I'd been with at the time for 10 years. And so that the shame that had been put on me and some of that was the Catholic upbringing, some of that was, you know, from my family home and, you know, I, I'm not sending any barbs or or any ill will anywhere, this is simply What people knew and what they perpetuated, and um, I realized that actually that wasn't okay for me anymore. And so I started to unravel that. Some sexuality work, dancing eros. I started dancing the less, and um, gradually, 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 and eventually tantra kept coming into the into the sphere. And so I've I've done several layers of tantra training, and have participated in in things as well, and um, am currently. So, I, well, then I suppose the pleasure kind of became pleasure in life and bed, and predominantly I was helping people with sex education and libido work. And I'm now completing a master's in sexology so that I can bring in the medicalized aspects of helping people through things like genital pain or erectile dysfunction or um, men- have more knowledge about menopause-related issues, which is the second biggest thing that I see in my practice. It's libido first and then menopause-related things second and general sex then for everyone. So that's kind of, I mean, I feel like I've just spoken forever. <laughs> my medical condition goes you're boring
0: (laughs) absolutely not absolutely not I think this is a fascinating journey I'm loving it Uh, I'm loving that you started with yoga because for me yoga is I call it the meditation of the body it's Mm. the practice that can um, help you to embody yourself Um, I think it's very important, especially for earth Catholic girls or boys or whatever, because there's such a denial and a a really complex relationship with the body and pleasure. I think this is also true in other uh, Christian traditions, although I cannot speak for them because I was raised a Catholic like you have. Uh, But there's a lot of shame around pleasure and there's a lot of shame around the body and the needs of the body as well. So um, I love that you come as a spiritual liberator for all of us <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: to love our bodies, to acknowledge pleasure. And I'm going to share a very short anecdote here of when I was a child, I've always been a very sensual child. And I remember when, when I ate, you know, if I ate ice cream, I would take my time. I would let it melt. I would just You know completely in the moment and there were many times where my mother would scold me for being obscene whilst eating and um i never let her um spoil that that pleasure and i've always been a seeker of pleasure in the senses my entire life but just as you i think i still have some pockets of shame around uh, especially intimacy And I am very keen to promote pleasure as um, food for the soul. Mm. So I don't know if you can speak to that. Um, I I was fascinated by reading you know the book Tantra by Osho I don't even know how to pronounce his name because it really started off with that statement that the body is the temple and that we need to embrace the humanness the body before we can be spiritual and it's such a putting the catholic uh, (laughs) I would say attitude on its head about the body uh, it's it's like a revolution, yeah. and I think it's a revolution that I would love to spread because, for me, it's true spirituality. You cannot be truly spiritual if you deny the body and pleasure.
1: Yeah. Can I? Can you tell me more a little bit about that before I answer your question, why they are so linked for you?
0: You mean spirituality and pleasure? The because spirituality for me, and, the, and the body. Yeah, because for me... Um, I'm convinced, rightly or wrongly, this is a belief, an opinion. And yeah. I always say on my podcast, you take what works for you, you leave the rest. Mm-hmm. But I'm convinced that we are not human beings on a spiritual journey, but the other way around. We are spiritual yeah. beings in a human journey. And part of the human journey is having a body. Part of the human journey is also satisfying the needs of your body. But I think it needs to go further than that because... By exper- experiencing pleasure without shame, we are on some level bring the joy and the vibration of heaven on earth. That's my, my my core belief. Yeah. And I do think, but you're the expert, that this actually speaks to the tantra movement that sadly is reduced to positions by most people.
1: <laughs> um,
0: for, <laughs> and and they they don't grasp the fact that it's a it's a true, it's a full body of spiritual teachings that happen to have pleasure as part of it. Am I right?
1: Yeah. There's, I mean there's so many things and I love I love the way the body is so integral for you from that description. And, you know, I listened and went, oh, yeah, I believe that too. I just never quite thought about it with the links that you were making in that way. Um, and, I, you know, on the point that people perceive Tantra to be something, I really feel like we can't blame people for that <laughs> because if you search Tantra, you get, and you know, if if you, you know, not driving, and you search it now, you get a page of hits that are all about sex. Yeah.
0: You're not getting
1: a page of hits that is about tantric and essence. And so one of the ways that I translate this into a practical metaphor is, if you're looking for a dinner recipe, and you search dinner recipe, and the first page of hits that that your search engine gives you is spaghetti bolognese. You think that everyone's eating spaghetti bolognese for dinner and, you know, this is the thing to make and, oh, spaghetti bolognese. Okay, well, I'll do that. And maybe you look at a couple of different recipes to see, you know, the different vegetables that people put in or the different ratio of stock to tomato, to tomatoes, uh, or, you know, some of them are vegan, some of them are not, um, but they are all spaghetti bolognese. And so when you search Tantra, that is what you get. And I have done that search. (laughs) I have done that search and was um, really fascinated by how Neo-Tantra, which is a, a sexualized form of Tantra, has come to be so dominant and prominent over Tantra in its ancient essence, which is, six thousand years old has lineages very very similar to yoga and really has kind of suffered the same fate as yoga in the western world where instead of it being about sex we can often think yoga is that exercise
0: yes yes, and so, yes yes as you might have guessed i'm passionate about promoting true spirituality in all areas of life which is why I created the True Spirituality Summit in July 2023. Seven amazing speakers joined me to talk about true spirituality within relationships, creativity, health, money, self-love, parenting, and trauma and healing. The summit is free, so why don't you check it out on the Thinkific platform, I am the spiritual lawyer there, and the URL is https column 2 word.thinkific.com. Mm. When we really
1: drop that back, the way that you described yoga as a coming back into the body, tantra is in essence actually really similar to that, and it's the way of the heart through the body. And it is a bodily experience for the soul. And where you described yoga as like a coming into the body and a way to reconnect with the senses. In tantra, we do this too. But there's also ways to share that with other people that are much more um, a potent part of that practice and not necessarily can certainly do tantra by yourself that yoga doesn't necessarily offer. In this modern day, there's a few partner yoga practices um, and some of those look amazing on Instagram with hypermobile, very strong people that, you know, most of us can't replicate. Um, but in, in tantra, you can, you know, connect with someone's heart or, Share touch in a particular way or share a sharing exercise or eye gazing or breath synchronization. There's some really simple energy play things as well. There's energy play things um that you can do with your children and with your friends that I often share at festivals as a social tantra. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that. And and for me, what I feel is that Tantra can bring intimacy into our relationships in ways that um, nothing else really does, because sex can be a distraction or it can be a connecting practice. And I suppose that's also what I want to talk about, this elevated um, version of you know, something that can be purely physical and that is actually talked about as something purely physical, um, almost as you say, like this the spaghetti bolognese thing. It's like, you know, where where's the soul in the sex anymore? Where's the soul in the pleasure anymore? Um, yeah. yeah. So tell us about mm, that a little bit. I feel like this
1: is such a big question. You Know there's so much so much wrapped up in this that is about our conditioning, about what sex is, and um you know how we can sometimes have sex and intimacy conflated, and sex can be intimate, it can also be really very not intimate. We can have sex for a whole variety of reasons, and true intimacy, intimacy, heart to heart, soul to soul can be really intimidating and terrifying for a lot of people. And that could be true particularly for people with avoidant or anxious attachment styles or people who have just never known or understood intimacy and haven't had that in their lives. And so this kind of intimacy, like I've had people come up to me before I've taught at a fest, and I'm like, are we going to eye gaze for 45 minutes? If we're doing that, I'm like, I'm i Am not coming? no, no, it'll be like five maximum. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know, we're we're sometimes really scared of the vulnerability that comes with putting ourselves in a new space and opening ourselves to being seen. And so, this type of intimacy and um, and I didn't talk about pleasure, which you asked me to talk about. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there is an intimacy in that there is a connection. And I think I'll skip back to pleasure first and build that into the, the sex and intimacy part where, you know, pleasure kind of sets, it can set the scene when we, if we take pleasure as a concept, we can think about it as being purely hedonistic or we think, can think about pleasure as something that's intuitive and something that's really mindful. And pleasure in this sense is guiding us towards something that is perhaps the next best thing for us, best being, you know, not a pinnacle, perfectionist best, but an intuitive, you know, if I could have any one thing right now, what would it be? And so we can ask ourselves that question, and the answer might be putting our bare feet on the ground or pausing, having a cup of tea, connecting with a friend taking a few deep breaths, eating an apple, you know, it's usually something really, really simple, having a moment to spend with nature. And so how that becomes pleasure and not self-care in my world is that we do things for self-care and, you know, they can be filling us, but sometimes the intention of self-care is really about um, self-sustainability and moving ourselves from the bottom of our energy and from not crashing. So there's this energy and intention around self-care that is is like a maintenance kind of thing. And pleasure is like the cream on top. Pleasure is, well, okay, I'm having my bath and this could be self-care, but instead of thinking it as I really need to have a bath, you know, because I'm feeling quite insane and it'll help me feel better. We can have a bath because it feels good to have a bath and we can just consciously enjoy that bath. And it's a really subtle shift, but it shifts that experience from something that is kind of just moving the needle towards our baseline to something that is really adding to life and filling us. And so we can do that about a square of chocolate instead of, you know, having the whole block next to it while we mindlessly eat it while watch television. And we can do that over anything. You know, so we can have connections that might be really mundane, like at the supermarket, where if we consciously choose that, you know, we can truly connect with that person however you know, small and superficial that connection is, we can actually leave a deep mark on somebody and that can be really deeply pleasurable. So taking that concept into sensuality and tantra and sex, we then have this idea that we can do something um, not for not selfishly for pleasure, um, sex is inherently safe, consensual as a baseline, and... The pleasure aspect means that we can allow our senses to unite. And sex means different things for different people. We can have sex for a whole variety of reasons. But when we're conditioned, particularly for women, when we're conditioned that you know pleasure, sexual pleasure, is really about man's pleasure, particularly in heterosexual interactions. Connecting with that pleasure is a really different journey. And so kind of there's a lot to unravel in that and connecting with the self, kind of understanding, you know, what would I like in this situation? What would feel nice if our partner's not quite touching the right spot? Then, um, you know, being confident to say a little bit higher, a little bit softer, softer please, Thermal. could you use teeth there? Um, and to direct that so that it does have more pleasure it does require some knowledge of self and that connection to what we're feeling which kind of brings us back to the point that you made about yoga and that being a way to know the body and you know the whole unraveling that happens to um to do that I feel like I've been talking for a while again so I'm gonna pause
0: I think our questions are actually really big (laughs) I know I know but thank you no no please don't feel that you talk too much you have so much to say and and important things to say so i am um, reflecting back on your, what you just said i have two things i would like to um to say first i my feeling is that pleasure elevates That's what I've heard through what you were saying. There's an elevation and there's an intent that is different from just, as you say, self-care. I really love what you've said about self-care and pleasure. But I can see that this could trigger guilt and this, I don't deserve this kind of thing that can come up as a barrier right away. And and, um, so I wanted to comment on that um, because I feel that that's an important thing to for people to become aware of. It could be their internal resistance to that to that experience, whether it's you know through a bar a, a piece of chocolate or through actually having a sexual intercourse with someone. And then the other thing that kind of blossomed in my mind as I was listening to you is I want to ask you a question and, uh, and and this is a question I've never asked anyone uh, and not to you is have you ever experienced a spiritual experience with sexual intercourse with a person and if you have could you tell us about it to inspire mm. us maybe? yeah sure very personal
1: <laughs> Well,
0: s- you don't have to answer if you don't want to. You don't have to answer if you don't want to.
1: It's totally fine. It's a beautiful thing to ask. Um, so yes, I have my journey with tantra has. Um, tantra teaches that sex is not just of the body. Sex can be a uh, a an enlightened experience of two souls meeting. And we can use sex as transcendental. Yep. We can use it to reach transcendental heights then we can use it just, you know, to have a transcendental experience. And uh, for me, I, I'm going to say that, like we talked about tantra being, people thinking that it's just positions, but actually I I thought that. I thought that, you know, you see the Kama Sutra, and I didn't realise Kama Sutra had a philosophy, just like when I first came to yoga, I didn't realise I had a philosophy. And um, I thought Tantra was essentially the positions of the Kama Sutra when I very first was hearing about Tantra. So, you know, you can imagine that there's some unraveling in that too. So to really break Tantric sex down to its essence, if you're bringing more intention to your lovemaking, you're having tantric sex. You don't have to have any fancy positions. You don't have to have any fancy techniques. You don't have to have any simple positions or techniques. You just need to bring more intention. And, And if you think about tantra being the way of the heart through the body and you aim to embody that in your lovemaking, then really that's the essence of tantra in action. And... We can live that right through you know every moment of the day over time. Of course, with human, it won't actually be every moment. So, when we apply that to sex, we automatically get more present. When we're more present, we're noticing the body a little bit more, we are engaged in sensation more. We don't have those same thoughts running around in our heads. So, when we, if we just, you know, pair it right down to their fingers are on, you know, I'm touching my arms. Um, and this is a visual for Anne, she's the only person who can see it. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're touching your arms. So if you're touching, you're focusing on the part of you that is touching and the sensation you can feel in that. And you can, if you're not driving, you could do that, just touch one hand with the other. And if you're receiving touch, you're focusing on where the touch is happening and the sensation there. And so the focus that brings you into the sensation that's happening right now helps get the mind busy so that you're, you kind of don't have thoughts that are taking you away from that. For people who have ADHD, that bringing that focus in can actually be really, really challenging. So... You know, there's ways to work around that, like having, you know, minimizing distraction in the room and that can be just a really important part of lovemaking for people who have a brain that is more distractible. And this sensation brings us into um, deeper connection and for me where I really get the heightened spiritual experience is when the sex is really deeply connected. And so synchronized breath for me is like I'm there mm-hmm. almost straight away. Because as soon as my husband and I synchronise the breath, and I came to Tantra since being married, and I'm in a monogamous relationship, so I have only experienced tantric sex with my husband. And um Slowing the breath down stops us. (laughs) Mm. And so we can stay more focused on sensation, and it automatically slows our touch down. It keeps us more present. It keeps us softening. And so everything builds differently. We don't build with the clenching towards orgasm that we can often have. We build with a softening. And we keep staying in connection with the other person with the synchronised breath. And so if you're trying synchronized synchronise breath for the first time, expect five to ten minutes of, I can't make this work, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> it, it can be tricky. And then once you get it, you'll just kind of fall into rhythm with each other. No one leads, no one follows necessarily. You just kind of are both watching each other. And so you're staying connected the whole time. And for me, it's the connection and the focus. And I can't even explain what that ends up as I'm trying to put words to it. And all I feel is this feeling of expansion and, you know, those moments where there is only that and you feel like everything's okay in the world and there is no problem. Like there's just this sense of brightness. And uh, it's it's just it's mind blowing, mind blowing to experience a peak that is not even an orgasmic peak. So, in tantric sex, we're not necessarily chasing orgasms, we're or simply connecting for a connection. And the connection itself can be the peak. And so, it really. Like it really does feel like an out of body experience in a way because it it takes you from you know kind of focusing, striving, clenching to opening, connecting, broadening, expanding, um, and you're doing that together. I honestly can't even explain it.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for so trying. I'm, thank you for I'm trying. I'm just sitting
1: in awe. Yeah, it's, it's mm. magic.
0: Emma, um, I want to thank you for actually answering my question, because I hadn't realized I put you in the hot seat and, and asked you something, you know, quite intimate that maybe you weren't ready to share and I I'm, I'm, I'm hope that you are happy to have shared this. Um, I think through all your work, what's really struck me all along is this importance of presence. And I love that you kind of, you know, said, you know, don't worry too much about the pauses or whatever the Kama Sutra, because what is more important is presence and breath, which ties it back to yoga in a way, because it's through yoga you learn so much about the breath as well. Um I'm I'm sure this is going to be a fascinating insight and invitation for people who know nothing about your work or about Tantra in general. And I, I feel really privileged that I've witnessed your um you talking about the things that you're so passionate about, not just in the work that you do with clients, but in, in it's your entire life, isn't it? I try. <laughs> it's
1: totally fine that you ask me that question. I was saying tongue in shake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um so where can people find you? Um and you know, what would you like to leave people with um after this conversation? This, that, that we've just had about all things, you know, spirituality, pleasure, body, uh, intimacy, all these aspects. Yeah. Where would I like to
1: leave people? What would I like to leave people?
0: Um but first tell them where they, they can find you. First first Okay, up. you can yeah. You can find <laughs> me
1: on you can find me on Instagram as, as Emma dot Unfortunately, Facebook will not let me have that name. So that's Emma McCann Coach. And my website is emma-mcann.com, n And what um, I don't like to leave them with, make it doable. You just, you know, it, these things have got to be simple and be able to integrate into our lives or we're not going to do them. We're not going to build them in. And if there's lots of things like guilt and lack of certainty and, you know, overthinking it that comes into things, just pair it back, just simplify, just, you know, connect with something that you can connect with. Like if you're sitting, feel the connection of the body and the chair and start there. If you're standing, you're feeling the connection of the feet on the floor, start there. And if you're lying, feel the connection of the body with whatever's beneath you. And so practice just feeling that and then you'll start to be able to expand, you know, more from there and just, you know, bring that lack of certainty back to something you do know and make it doable. If it's not doable, you won't do it.
0: Mm, You're so right, yeah. Yeah. And I think that our conversation is particularly important because I feel in the spiritual circles, there's a lot of body disconnection. There's a lot of, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm above yeah. the body's needs. I'm you know, or, or maybe it's from trauma. I don't know. I'm not going to analyze everyone and put them in one big bag, but I think there is that tendency or that to, 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 to not take the body with us. And I think that's, that's a big mistake. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and even sometimes there'll be a particular idea that becomes popularized that um, we can kind of not realize the disconnection from the body. So, thinking about things like astral travel, we're actually moving from our physical body into, um, if you think of the layers of energy of aura as having layers that connect to different ideas but closer to the body is the etheric field, which is basically the spiritual mirror of the body. So whatever is in that etheric field will be manifest in the body. And then the layer beyond that is the astral layer. And so people talk about the astral plane and we can kind of have astral journeys and we can have energetic orgasm and energy orgasms are incredible and it's really important that the energy orgasm is actually in the etheric field and not the astral field. And so we we can come across this idea and try to do it. And they hear this about squirting a lot as well, that it becomes this like pinnacle of I want to lunch squirt. And it, it's certainly not a pinnacle of our sexual life. And there can be this striving towards this thing that can actually end up, in the case of astral travel and energy orgasms that happen in the astral field, they can actually be really depleting, especially if you've got a body that is susceptible to the effects of trauma and if you've had depleted adrenals. And so I've I've actually had people that have come to work with me who wanted to learn to have energy orgasms, and I have a duty of care that not just yet, because I could see that the body was depleted and I was not willing to be complicit in teaching them a technique that uh, they need a really restored body for. And so the work then becomes about learning about the nervous system and how to restore the adrenals, how to be really present in the body without that being about doing and should. And then from there... Building into the capacity to have an energy orgasm rather than going straight there and then just, you know, causing more depletion. So I think that's a really important point. And,
0: and I love that you, that you bring all your knowledge of the nervous system as well. It's so important in this field as well. So I I'm in awe of all the skills and the depth of knowledge that you have, but also. Your qualities of empathy, of listening, of witnessing people, um, your complete lack of judgment um, on anything that people bring to the table, you are a safe, I'm going to say sage in this area, and I honor you and I am so blessed that you've come on the podcast, but also that you are on the platform. I I really want people to continue to discover your work, to reach out to you if they feel that it resonates with them. And, um, yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I think this has been – I've I've taken – again, I've deepened my understanding of what you do, and um, and I'm even bigger of a fan now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you so
1: much for your kind words. I respect that. Thank you.
0: It's but my, it's important. It's... The, these areas, we need the safety. Because if, yeah. if the person that you reach out to is not a safe person, then so much damage can be added to an area where people are, are quite wounded to start with anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And having someone who can, you know, hold the whole of what you bring and in the space that you know, talking about spiritual liberation and liberation from, like, you know, the, the religious upbringing that we've had that might have ended up being harmful, when we start unpacking whatever it is that we're unpacking and learning new things, we actually need someone who can hold the whole of that,
0: yes, so yes. that we
1: can safely drop in and learn to have evidence that it is safe to go there with this person. And over time, we then chip away, chip away, chip away. But we've got to have that safety there first.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, there might be a second part to our conversation because we've, <laughs> just, we've just touched the subject. I don't think we've 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 um, broached it for sure. But thank you for today, um, thank for you all much. our listeners. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to either Emma or I. We will have links for you to find Emma in the show notes and in the description box in whatever app you're using. And thank you again for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the the true spirituality with Ange podcast i want you before you go if i could ask you to be kind enough to rate the podcast and write a review so that more people get to know about the podcast please also if possible share the episodes with people you think might be interested in listening to them especially if you have liked them a lot And um, understand that I'm also available to come and do um, expert talks um, to your communities, your memberships on either intuition in business, spirituality in business, mindset, um, energy, prosperity and intuition. Thank you so much for listening.